1: Where's the manager? Walzer Automotive presents car selling secrets.
2: I'm such a moron. You told me what episode it is and I can't remember. 74. 74.
1: 74 on December 3rd. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> 2020. You, hey, ADD, let's talk about that again.
2: No guests, just Boys Club today, and Car Selling Secrets talks and text line is wide open for questions. We've got a bunch of stuff to talk about, 561-228-4061. We'll be right back after this break.
0: Michael Bryant, Brad Sean Bryant, what's the latest? Uh, We're just trying to represent people who've been injured through no fault of their own. We're trying to talk to them before they talk to an adjuster or before they take a settlement that isn't something they should get based upon their injuries.
1: Is that you playing bass? I'm
2: playing everything, man.
1: Aren't you a big shot?
2: Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny you bring that up because we, uh, Sarah says, we, we can't sit around and watch TV all winter drinking vodka. And I said, well, what are we going to do while we're drinking vodka if we're not going to watch TV? Exactly. She said, Let's make another record. So we started about a month ago. Oh, you did? Yeah. yeah. Some hits, uh, new and old. David Bowie tune on. All there?
3: kazoos all the time. Yep, all kazoos. Five kazoos in harmony.
2: Car Selling Secrets is live, 561-228-4061. If you have any automotive-style questions, Andy had one that I cut him off during the first part of the podcast. too
3: interesting for the family.
2: No, but it was automotive-related, automotive and we need stretch, as they say. That's so true. what was your question?
3: All right, so the other day, it was about 1 o'clock p.m., a uh, couple of guys roll into my neighbor's driveway. They take out a jack, jack up my neighbor's car, and take a saw and saw the catalytic converter right off and drive <laughs> so away hilarious. with it while our neighbor is watching with his dog. Not the neighbor who lived in the house, but like his neighbor. Someone, w- I actually have it on video. The neighbor was watching them wow. take the guy's catalytic converter. Uh, so the questions, I suppose, are how often does this happen and why would they be so brazen as to do it while someone's watching?
2: Well, to answer the first part of the question, catalytic converters and airbags are commonly stolen. There's a big black really? market market for them because brand new, mm-hmm. I'd have to look it up, but I think a catalytic converter can cost 1500 bucks, and you steal one and, you know, you sell it on the black market for five. Yeah. The second part is some people are real brazen and it's that whole fearless, hide-in-plain-sight kind of mentality, yeah. and it's amazing what you can get away with when you do that. You hear stories about people walking into electronic stores and just grabbing a TV and just walking right That's out the true. front Oh, door. yeah. They do. No, they that do. Is, It's a thing. It's weird. Yeah. It is weird. I think most of us would be shaking mightily if we ever tried to do something yeah. like that.
3: I just feel like, you know, wait until it's night. Yeah. So someone's less likely to walk by with their dog, but... I guess they needed it right
2: then. So, how, did they have like a sawzall? I mean, how long did it take them to?
3: Uh, we had it all on camera. Yeah. Um, and it took them about ten minutes.
2: Wow, that's that's a long time. I mean, that's yeah. That's the thing is the they cal- were there for a long time.
3: Yeah, that's uh, wow. Yeah, we have all sorts of images of their car where it was, and yeah.
2: As dealers, we go through cycles, and there was a for a few years actually finally finally caught them. There was a big ring in the Twin Cities metro area that was hitting dealer lots and stealing truck and full-size SUV uh, wheels and off-brand yeah. new cars. And we, our Buick store in Bloomington got hit several times, and you'd get the call from the general manager at, you know, at 6 in the morning. And it's, mm. and I won't say exactly what they said, but it was not church language, and they've got <laughs> nice. you know, 15 uh, GMC Denalis sitting on their uh, brakes. Sitting on cinder blocks. Yep. And those wheels are, you know, a couple thousand dollars a set. Yeah. It's, uh, But they did catch them. I think, you know, the advent. And, that, and that's what's curious to me is with the advent of almost everything being videotaped yeah, everywhere. Yeah, you're always
3: on camera wherever yeah, you okay, are. Yeah. But yeah. people
2: still pull that off. Yes, you know, you see the police will post stuff like that on Facebook. Anybody know these yeah. people? And it's a pretty clear picture Yeah. that if you knew the person, you'd be able to identify them. And they catch a lot of people that way. But And yet still... People do that. I don't get it.
3: Hmm. Well, I guess we'll never know the uh, the criminal mind, unless we watch Criminal Minds.
1: Criminal Minds. Thank you. Thank you so much for that. No question about it.
2: Let's talk a little car dealer action. So um, I'll start out with some basics, and then we'll talk about the, the story that's happening currently with General Motors. So the way the franchise systems work uh, with very few exceptions, Tesla is one. Um, the, all the uh, dealerships are independently owned; they're franchises. Sometimes, sometimes they're owned by publicly held companies like AutoNation, but most of them are privately held. Uh, and the and the manufacturer only has so much control over what a dealer can do. The the dealership laws. Uh, are are tilted in the favor of franchisees and and they always have been i mean it's it's not unfair uh but it's always been set up that way at various times manufacturers have have pushed back on that ford famously back in the ae i think in the 90s bought a bunch of stores in cleveland ohio tried to run them themselves and they all it, it lasted about a year and they just they, oh, they weren't, yeah. weren't successful at it um and as a result, there's some pushback currently uh, with General Motors. GM is about to launch some really, really cool electric products. The new Hummer is all electric. It's about a hundred thousand dollars. So, but this is where the battle is is starting to be waged. I'm just going to read this out of yesterday's automotive news. GM will dole out inventory based on solely on customers' orders and is asking dealers to use no-haggle pricing. It's, manufacturers technically aren't allowed to dictate how a dealer chooses to sell cars right. or what price they choose to sell them for. The GMC Hummer will be an extreme six-figure showpiece. Yeah, I think they're like $110,000. It's also a test of GM's uh, ability to exert greater control over the dealership sales process in the donning electric vehicle era. For the next two years, GM will be putting Hummer dealer strings, doling out inventory based only on customer orders, and encouraging standardized pricing. The auto, I can't even read. The automaker even asserts the right to limit GMC's dealers' interactions with Hummers buyers, according to portions of the brand Electric Models Participation Agreement. So in other words, what GM has said is if you want to uh, stock and sell these electric Hummers, which will be really hot, they've already got a, a oh, yeah. the first year yep. sold you have to assign agreement and agree to these things. In order to sell Hummers, GMC dealers have to spend about $200,000 on facility upgrades and training. About half agreed to do so even though some are putting off that investment. So it's again, the manufacturers are trying to, and this has been going on forever. They think that a lot of them think the dealers are idiots, mm-hmm. um, but they've never really pulled it off successfully. The closest, really, uh, interestingly enough, was General Motors in the Saturn era, which was, I think the first Saturns were the late 80s uh, through the mid 90s. Uh, the, the mistake that they made, everybody loved that. Actually, the Saturn dealers really liked that model because the markups were pretty significant in Saturn vehicles. It was about 15%, which right now, new cars is about 4%. Um, The customers liked it because it was a, you know, they did what Walzer has been doing and has been trying to do as a dealer group forever, and they had no haggle pricing. But because it was an actual... Uh, manufacturing company. I think there was it was easier to get buy-in. the problem was General Motors never made a dime on Saturn. It cost them really? so, yeah billions, and that's why uh, they eventually. I think it was what early nineties or so they hit Saturn on. Yeah, actually, you know, I think they started making them through about oh seven or oh eight. I think it was the recession that did them in. So.
1: Oh, okay. Because I remember there was a Saturn dealer right over there off of Louisiana and Twelve.
2: Yeah, I think that's that was Lupian's store. I think. I think I think you're right. Because yeah. they I the way they did right. it is. They divided up um, in the Twin Cities based on St. Paul versus Minneapolis. And I think, if I remember right, Lupient owned all the Saturn dealers on the Minneapolis side. And I can't, it's funny, I can't remember who owned the St. Paul ones.
1: So I have a question for you. So you're the you're the dealer yep. of all those Saturns. Did he lose a ton of money on that? Or did the... Did
2: the oh, no, the dealers did well.
1: They did well? Yeah.
2: Really? Yeah, because the markups in the cars were pretty good, and you sold everything for sticker.
1: You sold everything for sticker. They weren't
2: wildly expensive cars. No, they were not. SL, or the Saturn SL1, I think, was maybe a... Oh brah. boy, really working from memory here. Early '90s, it was probably an eight, nine thousand dollar car or something like that.
1: Yeah, I think that's about right. So, so yeah, that, that's what I thought went on. But then I wondered, well, that can't be right. But the dealers made a lot of money. It was just the company itself, yep, Saturn itself, Saturn yep. itself, lost its ass. Now, why would they construct it that way, where the dealer makes all the money and you make none?
2: Uh, I'm not sure. Well, I, 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 I suspect that they just didn't hit their forecasting because it's you know the general motors is a huge company and they've got people that do nothing but budgeting so i assume that they thought if they sold two percent of the u.s market or four hundred thousand cars a year that they'd make you know x a a billion dollars or something like that and i think other than early on um they never really had great high volume sales i mean the cars were decent they weren't spectacular the marketing was really really good um and the customers liked the 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 selling model. That was one of the reasons that Walzer that we, they they looked at they a lot of dealers watched Saturn to see how uh, people would react to it, and it was re- generally positive.
1: Because I knew a guy that was a Saturn salesman. I think he did pretty well. Actually. Yeah, I think he did okay with that. I don't know. Well, the
2: salespeople liked it too because you know there there was no that was the first other model. Because other than you know the traditional way is arm wrestle, fist fight, argue, yell, run back and forth to the manager, blah blah blah. That's really hard on customers. It's really tough on the people that have to do it for a living too. As a yeah. customer, you had you had to put up with it once every six years. As a salesperson, you had to put up with it every day. So
1: it was, yeah, I suppose that's true. We got to take a break in about fifteen seconds. What do you think? Of so what are you talking about in the next segment?
2: Uh, even more exciting stuff. Winter driving tips.
1: Well, Minnesotas need those. Don't floor it.
2: 75 degrees out. We'll be right back after this exciting announcement from one of our
1: sponsors. Tom Bernard, and here with me is the CEO of North American Banking Company, Michael Bilski. Michael, these are tough times for a lot of businesses. I know that North American Banking Company has been working hard to help several different small and large business owners throughout the state.
2: Tommy, our lenders are working with customers not only on recovery, but planning for the future. To date, we have helped over 365 businesses in the state by lending more than $70 million through the SBA's Paycheck Protection Program.
1: I know these programs can be challenging for a lot of businesses to navigate, running their businesses. Simple. I like it. Why not bank with my banker, North American Banking Company, a better banking experience, member FDIC, An equal housing lender? By now you've all heard me talk about MyPillow and how it's literally changed my life. My friend Mike Lindell, the inventor of MyPillow, fit me for my very own MyPillow, and I haven't stopped raving about them since. They won't go flat. You can wash and dry them as many times as you want, and they maintain their shape are back, you know, something I found out about COVID. Hmm. Like that, my fellow spot I just did. There's a promo code on there, right? My listeners on KQRS have never used promo codes. Starting this year, on both the podcast and the morning show, they use the promo code. Really? Yeah, isn't that amazing? Huh? Hmm. I think they just sit at home staring at the wall. So any little thing they can do (laughs) gives them something to do. You know. I I thought it was kind of cool, actually. It is neat. It all works out in the end, so it works for Mike and Dawn, and therefore it works for me. So that's cool. So what were you going to talk about this segment?
2: Uh, Well, first of all, the talk and text line is open, 561-228-4061. I think we talked about this last year, but it's timely, although it's beautiful out. Winter driving tips, um, what to do, what not to do, so on and so forth. they got a bunch of them. Let's talk about... um, Losing control and what to do. I've got four uh, young people in the house in the home that have cars—a 17, and 18, a 20, and a 22-year-old. Well, 22 is gone, but anyway, I, I taught them all the same thing. And the first thing is you have to understand what anti-lock brakes are and how they work. So basically, almost any car on the road today has anti-lock brakes. And the way to find out uh, actually when you get in your car and turn the key to on. Uh, before you start it, you, all the dash lights will come on. You'll see a little orange thing that says ABS. It's an ABS failure light. As long as you have that, you have anti-lock brakes. The other way to check is if it's uh, slippery out, uh, just slam the brakes on. And if you hear uh, chattering in the car and it's pretty noticeable, that's the anti-lock brakes system working. And what that does is they have uh, wheel speed sensors. And when it senses that one wheel is going a lot slower than the other one, the computer knows that that the reason for that is that the tire isn't turning; it's skidding, so it will uh-huh. open and close the, um, the the pistons around the calipers, and it's it's lightning fast; it can go like 20 times a second, and that's really? what makes that. Yeah. But but it's all independent. Just you know, when the anti-lock brake system comes on, it's only gonna try to get that wheel that's skidding not to skid anymore. So. I taught my kids this. My daughter got her license a year ago in June. And the previous winter, I taught her skids and all that sort of stuff. The very first time that it snowed, she calls up. She's driving to high school, and her Lucy, her Hyundai Elantra wagon, says, Dad, something's wrong with my car. I said, Well, what? She says, Well, I put on the brakes and started making a lot of noise, and I couldn't, I almost didn't make it through the corner. And I said, There's nothing wrong with a car. You drive like your mother. (laughs) I said, Next time you come over, we'll go back up to the parking lot at the at the grade school and we'll go through all this stuff again and so she remembered um,
3: i thought my car was broken for like three years
2: it's common because, we get phone calls every yeah. first snow or so and they
3: don't teach you this in driving school they don't in it's, minnesota of all places they don't teach you about analog brakes and how they behave
2: so as a parent bookmark this and play it for your kids and teach your kids how to do it yeah, exactly. it, it really is helpful and there's more uh, to talk about What I tell my kids all the time when they're driving, when it's, even if it's raining really hard, or the worst Mm -hmm. is when it's like 27 degrees out, the roads may or may not be icy. So I tell them to, and I call it testing your surface. I said, there's no way to tell when you're driving in your car whether you've got traction or not, unless you do this. Step one, make sure there's nobody right behind you. Uh, Step two, slam on the brakes. Mm
3: See what if happens. you hear
2: the ABS come on, you're going too fast. Really? You got to Yep.
3: And if you don't hear the ABS on, you're, you're going fine. to face plant in your steering wheel. Well,
2: yeah, yeah. You don't have to slam them on that hard, <laughs> but uh, actually driving here a um, couple weeks ago when it snowed that it was snowing really hard about mm-hmm. 9 30 10 in the morning i'm going down 100 and i'm going 45 and i think i'm being careful i went to hit, <clears throat> hit the brakes to slow down a little bit to get off at cedar lake road yep I'm like whoa i gotta take my own advice it yeah, was uh, really slippery stopping
3: yeah. that ford f-150 when i was 19 <laughs> years old at stoplights, i skidded through more than one i used to have nightmares about trying to stop that car but it just wouldn't stop
2: those are the most difficult things to stop because the, the there's so, no there's so much momentum yeah. yeah well and there's nothing on the back all the weights in the front they didn't have anti lock brakes and yeah and for some reason God. old trucks always seem to have crappy tires on them <laughs> i don't know why that is but
3: well I mean, it, it was a farm truck yeah, you know it was a work right. truck it, it got those, some miles those are on really
2: it. hard to uh to stop let's talk uh, for another minute about uh skid control um you really should take your kids actually it's not a bad idea for adult drivers go up to the high school parking lot after a snow not when well actually you can do it now because there aren't any cars there everybody's at home yeah that's true. that's true and um it was my son's favorite driving lessons he told my stepson when i was taking him up to do it he goes dad's going to teach you how to do donuts it's totally <laughs> awesome so
3: <laughs> is that the cool. uh,
2: hey hon i'm sure you forgot no. that this we're doing the podcast can i call you later
1: Oh, she just hangs up. I like <laughs> she it. Just started laughing. She has to laugh, is laugh that does the, it all um, the
4: time.
3: That's the uh, car with tracks icon, right? The anti skid thing? Yep, yep,
2: yeah. yep. Um, yeah, there's The so, anti
3: fishtail or whatever it is?
2: Yep, so a lot of cars have that and it will help you fishtail, but you still have to learn how to do it when the velocity of the car overrides that. So go up to the parking lot, turn your skid control off. <clears throat> and what i did with my kids is i'd have them go in a corner at about 15 20 miles an hour and i'd yank up on the uh, emergency brake on cars that had it oh, in yeah, between the seats yeah, yep. that will automatically and then i'd take it off but as soon as you put that on the car's going to start skidding and though you know they teach you in drivers that are they tell you to turn in the direction of the skid but you have to do it enough times that it becomes second nature and i yeah. think a better technique is pick a, a something on the horizon whether it's a tree or a house or or a bridge abutment and then just naturally st- point the car to that to, at that thing on the horizon as the car fishtails back and forth and you'll always be able to correct it
3: because people tend to overcorrect when that yeah, happens
2: or if they're young drivers and they're like okay what do i do i turn into the direction of the skid and then they just wind up doing a full donut oh yeah but if you just pick something on the horizon that's you know if you're 45 degrees away from where you want to go, just look at it and don't take your eyes off it, and just turn the wheel until the car is pointing at that. Okay,
1: we a got a call. I have a question for after you. Dad's question. Yeah. So you're skidding. Let's say you're driving along, and the left, the the rear of the car starts going to the left, skidding. Yeah. You're telling me that people will turn the wheel to the right when it does well, that? Some
2: people panic. They don't. You what? know.
1: Most people panic. That's yeah. totally illogical. Well, I have it, seen
3: someone managed to get their car upside down on highway 100 yeah oh yeah oh my god i don't like normally you'd think you have to like hit a dukes of hazard ramp with just two tires (laughs) to get that accomplished but no
2: well with suvs and crossovers they have a higher center of gravity it was a sedan
3: oh as a sedan that takes
2: some that takes some
3: skill takes some doing i was like how did that even happen
2: But but yeah the best way to do it is to just practice it enough it's actually really fun to do and once it becomes natural and then it's reflexive, you're much safer as a driver. Who do we have, Andy? We have Officer Dave. Officer Dave.
1: Again. Oh, again. You, how are your pretzels, oh. man? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
4: I, I told you I walked out before I bought any more of them, man. <laughs> um, no, you're 100% right um, with the turning into the skid and picking. A point on the horizon. You know, it's funny I've that you mentioned that, kids. Dave, because
2: I learned that ten years ago watching something on—I think it was nine or eleven—they were interviewing a guy who taught uh, police pursuit techniques to like highway patrol guys, and he was—he—he he was the one that I got that tip from. I thought that's a really smart way yep. to think about it.
4: Look, look where you want to go. Um, you know, it's I always—I always tell kids when I stop, and they get that. First, you know, stop interaction with the police department. And it's like, guys, this stuff will kill you if you don't pay attention and take it easy. Slow down. I can't, you know, the city I work, curvy little streets, and at 35 miles an hour, you'll end up in a really steep ditch upside down if you're not paying attention. And I always talk, I'm 53 years old. I'll be 53 on Saturday, I guess.
3: Just a baby. Wee babe.
4: <laughs> exactly. But I told, you know, this stuff will kill you. I'm still learning to drive. Cuz every day you learn something new. It's just, mm-hmm. you got to pay pay attention to what you're doing and it it's just yeah, you've got to find something on the horizon to pick out and look at and that's where you point your cuz your body will naturally follow your, where your eyes go. Yep, that's really. Right. It's just natural. Yep. It's a, the it's a same thing for anything. It's just keep your head in the middle while your butt spins around around you. Go right where you want
1: to go. Hey, that woman in the background just told you to get off your ass and get back to work.
2: <laughs> yeah, what was That's that weird nice thing one. that you posted on Facebook? Was that today or yesterday? That,
4: that was yesterday. That bumble? Yeah. From Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer? What? what? Yeah. The thing
2: was like, what, 10 yeah. feet high? It was huge.
4: Oh, God, It's like 25 feet. <laughs> oh, was it well, really? It was.
2: I'll have to see if I can yeah. find it on uh, on his Facebook feed. It was just kind of like driving through this little country residential road, and up on the top of the hill, there's this giant.
3: It's <laughs> like Christ the Redeemer, floor. but it's, it's Rudolph. Yeah, yeah, there you go.
4: <laughs> no, you re- you remember um, the bumble, the great big snow monster thing? No. From Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Oh yes, oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I, I do. It an abominable
1: snowman, <laughs> yeah. actually. Instead of yep. abominable, they yeah. said bumble. Yep. Hmm.
4: The bumble, yep.
1: yep. So, yeah,
4: it's just it was, it was. I turned the corner and I was like, oh, jeez, what the heck?" <laughs> and I was like,
1: oh,
2: "You, oh, you didn't know. pull a noor and shoot it, did you?"
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly.
2: Sorry, no. <laughs> I couldn't. I couldn't resist.
1: That was cold, right there. I know. I didn't do anything
4: like that, but it's funny, Doug. I like that. It. <laughs> That's nice. So, <laughs>
1: all right,
2: Bud. Well, thanks for calling.
4: Yeah. You bet. Any any tips, you know, for for winter driving? Somebody who's driving. In the winter, worst of conditions all the time. Yeah, like. I, I really
2: think we... Uh, hopefully there are parents listening to this that go, you know, I really should take my kids out and teach them that because it's... Uh,
4: yeah. yeah.
2: Insurance to learn on the mean drivers is not cheap.
3: No, God.
4: No, definitely not.
3: How many miles a year definitely. do you put on a squad car?
4: It, it varies. Our city's really, really small, Andy. So we, we round... Shoot
3: for fifty to hundred a day. Fifty to a hundred a day.
2: Okay. Well that's yep. thirty five thousand that's thirty thousand miles a year. Pretty
3: good amount of miles for a small yep. town. Yep. Mm, it's that's to about be, what uh, I put on no. in fifty years or so.
2: Ooh, we got to take a break.
1: Yes. Oh, we do. It we'll be
2: right time. back with more winter driving tips on Walzer Automotive Group's car selling secrets.
1: Tom here for Sabre Plumbing, Heating, and Air Conditioning. Right now, Sabre and Bryant are teaming up to offer 0% financing for 36 months when you buy a new Bryant furnace. This is the perfect time to replace your old furnace with a new trouble-free, energy-efficient furnace from Sabre. And when you buy Bryant equipment, you're getting one of the most trusted names in the industry
4: Said, sisters, if you only knew, you would wish you were in my shoes. Keep on we
0: are
2: back. Walls are Automotive Group's car selling secrets. We're doing a car show, winter driving tips, so on and so forth. Talk and text line is wide open. Officer Dave took advantage of that. 561-228-4061. So we talked about skid control and the importance of testing your surface and what anti-lock brakes sound like. Um You have something that's either called skids or traction control. It's really kind of the same thing. If you get stuck in deep snow, it is not your friend. Turn your traction control off. What does it
3: actually do?
2: Well, it's trying to get the wheels to turn just slightly faster than the car is going so sometimes to get out of deep snow you need to be able to spin your wheels Mm -hmm. and traction control won't let you do that so it'll just sit in deep snow and go and the wheel will turn like that you'll never get out right now i will tell you this because 98 percent of us drive automatic transmissions Mm -hmm. you've got about a minute to try to get a stuck car out of a snowbank uh before you burn up the transmission you can try rocking it back and forth a couple of times but that generates an incredible amount of heat in yeah. the transmission itself and if you keep going and you keep going and you keep going you'll burn your transmission out it's much better to have a AAA card some insurance companies you have towing anyway you should probably right. find out if you have it just spend the dough and get yanked out uh you can try rocking it back and forth and if, you know half the time you'll be able to get out that way but do not just sit there floor it spin on the tires because you'll and transmissions are the cheap ones are three grand and the expensive ones are 10
3: yikes yeah when we were in uh south dakota on our honeymoon uh we got that uh i can't remember how much it was like two feet three feet of snow in one night we decided to try to go out to town that didn't work we got about 10 feet out of the garage and got stuck in the snow. <laughs> that
1: was it.
3: Yeah, the uh, we uh, decided to go with the dig out the tires and then yeah pack some snow in there and basically make a little uh, make a little snow ramp because yeah you can it's, especially if it's like two plus feet of snow that you're stuck in you're yeah. not rocking out of that there's just not no a unless you're unless you're driving a monster truck right. yeah but yeah those Nissan Rogues they sit low yeah. for SUVs yep
2: yeah. yeah once you get the undercarriage on top of snow it's the there's not enough weight really to keep the tires in yep, contact exactly. with the ground that's what happens and uh yeah that's why full size trucks jeeps stuff like that that have a lot of ground clearance are much better in that yep. sort of stuff than than traditional you know small crossovers and stuff they're good for yeah a foot foot and a half maybe two if you can keep moving yeah. somehow not
3: mountain snow though
2: yeah um couple other things i learned this uh last winter i've got a crv about a couple of years ago and almost all modern cars have a low pressure warning system in it so if your light if your tires run low on yep. air uh, the, the light will come on and that's typically happens in the winter time it's more common on uh, high performance tires which have really low sidewalls you know they're high perform. there's just not enough that the beads basically. don't r- stick quite as well as on re- regular convention tires. One thing you can do to counteract that is, uh, if your dealer carries nitrogen, get nitrogen put it in your cars. It's less susceptible to temperature variations. But here's what I learned in my CRV because last spring, it's still winter, I guess, I got the light on, I'm like oh darn it. So and in the CRV it doesn't tell you which tire it is. So I got a gauge out. and My right rear was was low. So I filled it up and got back in the car and drove it. Light's still on. i like, what's the damnedest thing? And I pumped it. It I must have had 50 pounds of air in there.
1: 50? I,
2: something's wrong. This is not. This is supposed say, to have 32. Yeah. So I made an appointment. Turns out I had a nail in the, in the tire, which is why mm. it was running low. But uh, Hondas, newer Hondas, and I guess more and more manufacturers are going to the system. The old ones have pressure sensors in each wheel. The problem with that is they're expensive and they fail. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, they don't—they won't last forever, and you have to replace them. The new ones have uh, different. They use the the speed sensors in all four wheels. So if they notice that if a tire is deflated a little bit, it's going to go faster because it has less circumference. Circumference decreases, right? right and I mean, yeah. and this is just like basic math. It's—it's mm-hmm. it's not going a ton faster, but as soon as it hits whatever threshold that is. The problem with the Hondas is you can pump that thing up to 500 pounds, but if you don't reset the system, which you do uh, on the dash, it's it's never going to know. So uh, if you yeah. have a Honda, and there are other manufacturers like this, ask your service advisor if that's the, – the system is actually – Less prone to failure than the current tire pressure monitor systems, right. if that makes sense. But you have to know how to reset them.
3: Our rogue has a cool thing that we didn't even know about until a couple weeks ago. Airbags? Uh, yes. <laughs> we, uh, yeah, there you go. We ran into a wall for fun. Uh, oh. We were filling the, up the tires because it got cold. Yeah. Pressure went down. We filled them up, and uh, while she was filling them up, the uh, horn went off, and we were like, "What the hell was that?" So she goes to the next tire. Same thing. Horn goes off. Turns out the car honks when it gets up to t- to pressure. Wow, we didn't even really? know about that. How cool that. is
1: that? Yeah, so it tells you you're done. Yep, it says stop
3: filling. phenomenal. In. Yeah. Wow. Pretty neat. I mean, it's such a like an obvious thing once you think about it. But somebody has to think of it. Some, someone has to think about yeah. it, yeah. I'll tell you
2: a funny story. One of the, the my favorite things about running dealerships was when we'd have a foot of snow and you got to spend a day and a half unburying the entire inventory and plowing. It's the most miserable thing in the world. I call it corp- corporate fitness duty. And one of the tough things is you have to not only you broom off the cars, but you have to start them all up and move them. So you've got 500 cars to move, and you have to find the right God. keys, and we just have the little tags, and you have to uh. scrape off to see what the stock mm. number is and blah, 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 blah. It's, that part alone is miserable. So the last story I ran was Burnsville Nissan. Uh, this was, God, it was 13 years since I've been a general manager. It's amazing. Um, my first snow day there, and I said, all right, guys, we've got to key them up. And the lock guy goes, i got it handled, and he's got a backpack on Hmm. what are you doing so here's was his technique and nissan was the first one to have almost their entire fleet have keyless uh starts right Right. he just had the fob he took all the fobs threw them in a backpack and went car to car and started them up
1: how great is that
2: and then when we got done you just you don't even need the fob to turn them off
3: yeah they automatically
1: do after like 10 minutes somebody had to think of it yeah yeah that's true and
2: this 18 year old lot kid just saved just five hours worth of miserable we still had miserable
1: days ahead of us
3: well yeah I'm sure there's a lot of those things where it's like how did someone not think of this sooner kind of thing yeah you know you mean like Sears well (laughs) you mean like that that didn't help them Uh, no no it did not it's like, like airbags for example Those are a relatively new invention.
2: Yeah, I think early 70s. I think Mercedes was the first company to come up with. You see the Mercedes or Volvo.
3: How many people, you know, they got in car accidents, they slammed their head on the steering wheel. And no one ever thought, hey, what if there was something that made it so I didn't slam my head on the steering wheel? Yeah, there you go. Well, or it's peop- like seat belts. Those are uh, also a relatively new thing. Well,
2: they were optional until 1968, yeah, I think there you was go. the first year. It might have been 64, I can't remember.
3: But it's like, you know, a sudden stop in a car, it's going to propel you forward. Yeah. So, hey, how about a belt to stop you from going forward? But. It's just little simple things like that that people need to just think about. Yeah, cars are
2: so much better now than they've, than they've ever been. Oh they're God, yeah! Faster, they're more efficient. They they don't break down. Yep. And I, I read. I think this was about three years ago, uh, 2017. There were fewer uh, fatal car crashes in the United States, unadjusted for population, hmm. since 1949
3: wow yeah, that's amazing and i think
2: there's probably you know it twice as many people easily in the u.s in 49 yeah. maybe three times see. and back then in the 40s and 50s it was middle class and wealthy people that owned cars and they usually owned one right yeah you know right. you didn't have the deal like the sprenthal house where me and mumsy have our own cars and all the kids have theirs it's right just like, so that's really an amazing and it's a lot of things that go into it technology uh, competition government regulation um attitudes about drinking and driving all that sort of stuff can, it makes a makes a huge difference but that's a pretty amazing when you think about it i don't how many people were in the us in 1949
1: andy let's see i would guess Another one point one hundred and forty million. 140 million
2: Another exciting episode of Andy Looks Up Stuff on the Internet.
3: $150 million. Oh, it's only up by 10 million. Yeah, that's
2: uh, less than half. Yeah, so we're, what, 330, 340, something like yeah, that?
1: absolutely.
2: 700, if you count all the illegals?
1: <laughs> <laughs> okay, they I'm kidding. Okay, it's Trump. a joke. Trumpster.
3: Yeah. Well, let's see. There's 273 million vehicles registered in the U.S. right now. Holy God. Uh, at the start of the 50s, so 1950, uh, there were 34 million Wow. So,
2: yeah. So it's eight times as eight, many.
1: Eight times as many vehicles. And less and,
2: fatal crashes. Yeah.
1: Unbelievable. And less it's fatal pretty crashes. Pretty crazy. Exactly. Yeah. It's good. we got to explain something to me, though. Even as a little boy, when they first came out with seatbelts, I asked my my uh, older brother, <clears throat> why do they put across your lap? Because basically it's going to force your face to hit the dashboard.
2: Yeah. Which it is made conveniently no made of metal. Me.
1: Yeah, it was made of metal <laughs> yeah. at the time. It's like
2: The driver's dead, but we just hosed off the car, and it's good <laughs> to go. Everything's
1: fine. Don't worry about it. God, that segment went by very fast.
2: Yeah, it's kind of fun, to t- actual automotive tips. And really, if you're a parent, take the time to teach your kids how to do the stuff that you know how to do. It will save you money, and it will it can be, save people's lives as well. That's it for Automotive Secrets for this week. We've got two really exciting guests. Uh, the Face... Oh, God, I can't remember the name of their foundation. It's all face about... It. No, it's not that. You said Face It. I face think it off. is the Face It Foundation. Face It. It's, uh, they're involved in, uh, in men's mental health issues. Yep,
3: faceitfoundation.org.
2: Local fellas, really interesting stories. This is... Uh, I doubt we'll talk about cars at all. So this, one, <laughs> this episode kind of makes up for the ones that are coming. There you go. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week.